What's up, Story Geeks? Welcome to The Mandalorian Show on the Story Geeks Talk Disney+. Plus. I'm Jay Shear, author of the time travel novel Time Slingers. And with me to dig deeper into this spoiler-filled show covering Episode 7 of The Mandalorian, a moff of Star Wars story geekiness, Daryl Smith. Did you just call me a moff? You're a moff, sir. Moff, just like moff Am I Gideon. a grand moff? <laughs> no, you're not a grand moff. I'm not a grand moff. Yeah, you're almost there. You're working your way up, and soon you will be one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to tackle Episode 7. My first question for you in regards to Episode 7, by the way. Oh, by the way, it's just us. So lots of scheduling this week because of this Rise of Skywalker coming out. Um, plus all the other podcasts that we're trying to schedule. So uh, it's just the two of us. Yeah, there's no. We're all you need. <laughs> I have spoken. All you need is love and Daryl and Jay. <laughs> those are the, the those are the things you need. That is the most confusing and arrogant thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it is exactly right. Um, so on a scale of one to Albie Madrigal as a scout trooper, how did you feel about this episode, Daryl? We're in spoiler territory, right? Yeah, we're spoiling everything. Okay, so my answer to this question greatly depends on whether or not Albie Madrigal, as a scout trooper, murdered my favorite <laughs> character on this show. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did, by because the way. Because if he did, then one is the best score possible here. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so let me, I will say this. I talked to, I talked to Albie about it, and I watched the show twice, and I talked to him, I, I just was texting him, in between the two, the two watches. So... He's the one that doesn't talk. Right. And he's also the one that doesn't pick up Baby Yoda. Right. So we don't know exactly what goes down. We don't know which one of them shot him. Yeah, but... Or technically if he's dead yet. Or technically if he's even dead yet, which we're going to talk about in this show, but it may have been Albie. (laughs) And I should be clear that whether or not it was, Albie, you're my friend. I think you're awesome. How crazy I'm just joking is it that around. we know somebody personally that was in a Star Wars film? It's That's awesome. what's really crazy. It's really awesome. I yeah. told my wife, I'm like, see that guy on the right? We know that guy. <laughs> yeah, we know that guy. His knee pads are upside down. <laughs> but we know him. But we know him. And he, he I, I kind of feel like uh, he, he, he kind of says, he was telling me, like, he's like, oh, yeah, I felt really bad about turning the knee pads upside down. I'm like, I kind of feel like he did it on purpose so we could identify <laughs> who you were. But I won't blame him for that. <laughs> we'll just pretend that he did it. He did it by mistake. Uh, but to answer your question, yeah, I would give this episode, um, if, you know, if it's one to 10, I'd give it a, I'd probably give it a nine. Oh. It's not quite perfect for me. Yeah. For a couple reasons that I think we'll get into. Okay. In your questions here. Yeah. Um, I found it strange because I think it was a very utilitarian episode in that it furthered a lot of things that needed to be furthered before that's the finale. True. Yeah, that's true. But that I'm not saying that in a negative way. Like a lot of times utilitarian is a dig, yeah. but I'm not saying that as a dig. I think it did a really good job and it was still really entertaining. Yeah. But I got a couple little quirks that we'll, we'll hit upon. Okay. But the show continues to be awesome. Yeah. I love this show. <laughs> I know. It is awesome. I. I uh, I've been telling people that this show is now my favorite Star Wars thing. It's like thing. Well, better than all more the more than Empire. Yeah, more than Empire. Wow. It's, it's I because if you told me it's you're a, renouncing your love of Jar Jar for this, 
<laughs> yeah, it's just the my yeah the one time I put something else above Jar Jar. <laughs> really quickly, sorry, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna go down a tangent. I yeah. saw a clip of the cast of The Rise of Skywalker. Oh on, yeah, on Jimmy Kimmel. I did. I saw that clip they're, too. So they were playing Family Feud. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And there was a question: was what would be the worst Star Wars character to have as a roommate? Yeah. Jar Jar was only number three. I know that was crazy, right? He should have been one. He should have been one for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was crazy. Saying. I was surprised that uh, he came up so late in the answers to that question too, because there were nobody from the prequels up on that stage besides yeah. Anthony Daniels. I mean, Anthony Daniels, by the way, they talked about his how to pronounce his uh, name correctly. Hmm. It's not Anthony. It's I'm going to call him Anthony. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you ever see him, I'm sure he'll appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'll see him too. I've seen him in person. He walked right past me at Does Napa. he hate you as much as John Favreau does? No. Okay. Because I didn't stop him or didn't say anything <laughs> to him. I just let him walk by me. He, he we were at my wife and I, this is like way back in the day before there were um before the sequel trilogy had come out. Yeah. My yeah. wife and I were at Disneyland and there was a Star Wars celebration happening at the convention center. Mm. And so we went to Napa Rose for dinner, which oh, is so good. Super hoity toity, but we that was what we were doing. That's good. It's really good. And we were celebrating something. And uh I think it may be our anniversary based on the time of year it was. Or her birthday, actually. And Did you get the smiling tiger salad? <laughs> I did not. I you should have. So. so good. No. I'm like, I'll I'll have whatever three PO's having. No, but he, <laughs> he walked he walks through the door and then walks like right past us. And I was like, that's Anthony Daniels. Although I probably would have pronounced his name wrong at that time. I I'm a big fan of this episode. I'm a really big fan of this episode. Oh, what I was going to tell you before, if you told me there's a show that said, we're going to make a Western, a Star Wars Western starring Boba Fett, I'd have been like, bro, that sounds like the best show mm. of all time. And that, now that's what that is, effectively. I was going to say, we have had a good space Western before this, but it wasn't Star Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Firefly. Firefly yeah. yeah, and Serenity. Ser- I think Serenity is even better than Firefly, which might be controversial. I don't uh, know. I think that's I think that's fair. You had a good budget. It had to be stuff. more well thought out because it was just one movie. Exactly. Anyways, yeah, I love this episode for a lot of reasons that we're going to talk about. I would probably give it uh, a nine and a half, so not quite Albie as a scout, scout trooper, but close, <laughs> but close. Um, I think I think it had a lot going for it. I think, though, that it, it did start out a little slow because they had to get things to a place where this made sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it started a little slow for me in that regard. Um, but by the way, total side question. When they said, when Kara and the Mando were talking about who they were going to go get to take care of the kid while they were doing their mission, who did you initially think they were going to go to? Quill. Oh, did you really? Did you think Amy Sedaris? Oh, totally. So yeah. did my wife. She was like, Yeah, so did Jessica. She was like, Amy Sedaris. Yeah. I'm like, No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought, that, so I thought that they were going to go to get Amy Sedaris. And as we're watching. You know why, though? Because Amy Sedaris was not in the previously, the recap yeah, stuff before the show, and yeah, Queel yeah, was. Yeah. yeah. It just it just seemed like she was a caretaker of children much more than Quill was. Yeah, but I don't think she has any special regard for the Mandalorian. Like, yeah, true. I think he was an inconvenience to her. But yeah, and she but could, Quill has pretty high regard for. Well, him. And he trusts her. Well, he trusts him. Yeah, I'm not sure he trusts her completely. But but as I was watching the first time, I'm like, oh, he's gonna go back and get Amy Sedaris. And then my wife was watching, and and she goes, oh, they're gonna go get Amy Sedaris. And I'm like, you would think so, right? And I'm like, oh, I just spoiled <laughs> it for you. I'm sorry about that. That's not what happens. But um. Anyways, I was just told a side question that wasn't even in my notes. So, uh, did this opinion or this episode? This, did this opinion? Did this? I'm reading this. Did this early change your episode? <laughs> it's early for me. Does this episode change your opinion of uh, 
Cara Dune. And by the way, sometimes they're pronouncing it Kara, and sometimes they're not pronouncing it Kara. So Mando said Kara. Did it Whatever. change your opinion Han of Kara Dune? Exactly. <laughs> and if so, how? Uh, no. Hmm. It did not. I thought she was awesome to begin with, and I still think she's awesome. Yeah. I, I like that it um, it gave us a little bit more context about her shock trooperness. Yes. You know, even just with, I can never remember Carl Weathers' character's name, but grief. Even just with Apollo Creed grief telling Carter. her to cover up her tattoo and stuff yeah, like that, yeah, like yeah. those kinds of things were cool. But no, I think it was. I'm. I still think her character is awesome. It was cool to see her in like a, you know, like an MMA American Gladiators kind of fight right there at the oh, beginning. Yeah, it's right. like, yeah, she still is who she is. You know, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I I, I loved it too. I, I um when you talk about the um the fight in the beginning, well, of course, is easy. She's a she's literally a stunt person, like a like a real life stunt person, and literally a fighter. That's what I mean. Yeah, like, <laughs> like she does this for she used to do this for a living. Um, I think that uh, Gina Carano seems like a she seems in interviews and on screen she seems like a very humble person despite her toughness. So it's easy to like her on screen. It's really, really easy to like Gina Carano, even though I don't think she's the most amazing actress in the world. She's just so likable. She was always that way. Did you watch American Gladiators when she was no, on it? No, I didn't. So she she played this gladiator called Crush. Oh, no. And I, this was the revival of American Gladiators because yeah, it started yeah, yeah. in the 80s. Yes. And then they brought it back, like, I don't know, 10 years ago, five years ago, something like that. That's right. And um, they're all so over the top. You yeah, know, they had like oh, wolf, and Nitro. he like howled at the moon, and like <laughs> nice. all these characters that are just so dumb and over the top. Yeah, and whenever they showed her, all she did was just like smile and stand there. Like even <laughs> then, she was she's supposed to be like this over the top super villain. Yeah, and even and then, she awesome. was like humble and she just seems like just a cool person. Kicked everybody's butt and left yeah. it at that. By the way, this is a we're gonna go for us way too long about this one episode, but we're gonna go into tangents because you mentioned American Gladiators. I think we've had two real questions so far and about nine tangential two. questions. <laughs> exactly. It, when I was a kid, the way that my living room was set up, we had a staircase that ran perpendicular to the to the length of our living room. Right. Okay. So if you if you look at the length of our living room and you were to look from one end to the other end, at the other end was the um, upstairs hallway. So there's a staircase off to the left, but right in front of you was the upstairs hallway, and it was an old-school 90s house, so it had a banister along that hallway. And you could just see down into the thing. So is that like your pyramid with you and your brothers? You'd Dude, fight your way up? We <laughs> used to play American Gladiators all the time. And you had to, as, as a kid, you had to make your way from the front window all the way up to the top with Nerf guns, being, <laughs> Nerf guns and Nerf footballs and stuff being thrown at you the whole entire time. Anyways, so I yeah, like it. I didn't realize that she was in the reboot of uh, American Gladiators, but now I just respect her more. That's <laughs> yeah, that's all there is to it. Uh, no, I didn't didn't change my opinion of her at all. I thought she was amazing. I also really like the fact it's a good storytelling technique to add some conflict by um, putting two people together of opposite ideologies, and so the fact that Queel worked for the Empire yeah. and Cara Dune worked for the Rebellion, essentially, or the New Republic, that was a cool thing to see them kind of go head-to-head there as well. Yeah. I like that. So I, I liked all of that. Um, now we're going to talk a little bit about droids in Star Wars. Um, we have several questions on droids. Uh, Queel, the Ugnaught, I have him listed on here as the Ugnaught, <laughs> uh, retrains... He has a name. Yeah. <laughs> 
I have spoken. It is Queel. <laughs> <laughs> um, he retrains IG-11. So how did you feel about that, Daryl? Is that a good decision or a bad decision? We have a long sequence of him training, like almost as if Rocky is training to fight <laughs> <laughs> Apollo Creed or Grief Karga. Um, so what do you think about that? What do you think about uh, IG-11? I think it's a, a good decision from pretty much every angle. So, And I'll explain that. I've, I mean, I'm talking about three angles when I say that. Hmm. First of all, within the story, I think it's a good decision for him. Okay. Because he's out there on his own. All he's got is those, I forget what they're called, the creepy-looking blurgs. Is that what they're blurgs, called? Blurgs, yeah. Blurgs, okay. You know how you can always remember what they're called is to remember um, uh, Tina Fey's fake curse word on 30 Rock. <laughs> It's Flurg. Funny. It's funny. That's what I was thinking of. I was like, that's Flurg, not Blurg. Is but it Flurg? <laughs> it's Flurg. I thought it was Blurg. <laughs> I thought it was Blurg. I'm going to look that up. I'm going to fact check that. Uh, yeah, not I might or, be wrong. Not really. Um, she also said shark farts quite quite often, Did which she I really? enjoyed. <laughs> um, uh, so I think it's a good decision from him because he's out there on his own. Right. And why not? You yeah. know, he's skilled with his hands, as we know, and right, he can right, do right. these kinds of things. Right. And so why not build a worker for himself? Um, I think it's a good storytelling device too, just because I didn't want IG eleven to be gone forever. Like I know. It could be a bad decision, it could go bad, but that just makes it a good decision for the story, right? Yes, exactly. And then how could it not be a good decision to continue to have Taika Waititi somehow involved in the show? That's kind of the best option for it, yeah. yeah. Although although he, it's a kind of a bummer how he's used in, in this particular way. For now. For now, exactly. Um Yeah, I I didn't feel badly about that at all, but it does get into some philosophical questions about how droids work because we've talked about this a lot on Star Wars, and this was some of the the most on point telling us how droids work we've had in the Star Wars canon, at mm-hmm. least in, in the movies, I should say, in the, in the TV shows and movies. So, uh, I would think it's a it's a it's a fine decision, and I'm glad that Taika Waititi's back. I'm concerned about it from a droid perspective. So, um, the the Ugnot Queel Queel says droids are not good or bad; they are neutral reflections of those who imprint them. What does that insight from Queel inform us about droids, and what does Mando's doubt teach us? Well, <clears throat> um, the most interesting part of that to me is the fact that he said the word imprint. Mm. Because imprint, I mean, it could just be a simple mechanical word, I suppose. Sure. But when you hear imprint, yeah, it's more of a relational word, right? Yeah. It's more of a, like a parent imprinting upon their child or Correct. a pet owner imprinting upon their animal. Yes. You know, it's a... It had it in, it infers a level of trust. Yes. It infers a level of intimacy yep. and connection. Yep. And you wouldn't think that that would be there with a droid. That the droids are not good or bad; they're neutral reflections. That makes complete sense to me, mm-hmm. and I really like that in the Star Wars canon. Right. But the imprint thing is fascinating because mm. they certainly do develop some degree of personality, right? Oh, or some yeah. of them do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like C three PO certainly does. Yeah. And um. You know, Anakin certainly does. And oh wait, he wasn't a droid, was he? 
Anakin wasn't a dragon. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he, I, not, not to my knowledge. He felt like one. <laughs> um, so I think that's interesting that... You just don't like sand, man. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah he, you love sand and he doesn't I, like it. That's why I, you hate yeah, him. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting that there seems to be a relational impact mm. upon them. Mm. If that's what they're inferring here. Yeah. It may not be. It could have just been a word choice. They could have decided right. to say imprint instead of program. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, And as far as Mando's doubt, I so I like his response to this, I think, was um, I've seen otherwise, uh-huh. or my experience has shown me otherwise, yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah. And clearly, you know, it goes, it goes back to those droids attacking his family, and there's just, right. there's some deep, 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 distrust of droids right but i wonder why is it just of droids and not of machinery in general general? Mm. so they're they're, i think they're definitely putting a personality relational aspect on the droids here yeah which i'm good with as long as we don't take it as far as the solo movie (laughs) (laughs) well i think yeah So, so to that point to that point going to where other stories have gone with it i kind of feel like the, what he says is almost like the best way to define droids in Star Wars because droids are not good or bad. They are neutral reflections of those who imprint them. It's obvious that as the droid had experiences, it learned. The imprint part comes from the maker of the droid and how that droid acts because of the maker. What's interesting about that is that, like, C-3PO, for example, was made by Anakin Skywalker, and yet you, it doesn't seem like Anakin Skywalker in any way, shape, or form. He's kind of the opposite of... I mean, well, he's, he's worried. but it was when Anakin Skywalker was a dopey little kid. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's true, yeah, it's true. So then, then I think to myself, okay, that, that makes a lot of sense because droids are sort of also treated like the animals of the the universe anyways. And so when they say you imprint on them, not just from a programming standpoint, <coughs> like you're suggesting, but also from a, um, I'm imparting a por- portion of my personality to it as well. Because it's going to learn from me in a way, right? Um, it doesn't, it still doesn't make it sentient though. And this is where, this is where like the line is drawn for me where, I think that L337, I still contend that L337 is used for comedy, not used as an actual droids rights activist. Mm-hmm. Because, again, this is a personality that was imprinted on something that it's like it's like a dog that were to say, like, dog up, 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 uprising, let's go, like, fight back against our rulers. It's like, that's hilarious. It's not actually true. We don't want dogs <laughs> running through the streets doing whatever they want to do. Yeah. Um, there is a hierarchy to uh, humans versus other other creatures, in my mind. Yeah. Of course, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I believe that humans are just another creature, you wouldn't disagree with me. You'd be like, no, a dog is just as important as a human. I'd be like, I don't think that's true at all. So I'm going to save a human over a dog every time. Mm-hmm. Like if, if given the choice, unless it's an action movie. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Unless it's John wick. And yeah. he, and now now granted, I, that that's a whole different scenario because a killing a droid that someone loves is not an action. So the, the using the dog from John wick is an example the killing the dog is an, is an is an indication that those people are not worthy of 
life themselves. It's not, it's not valuing the dog's life over the human's life. It's these guys are such dirtbags that they would do that to a dog, then they're going to hurt a lot of other people in a lot of other ways. Well, but in action movies, oftentimes even the hero characters you would rather see die than the dog. I mean... Oh, 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 I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dogs get so many big escapes and stuff like that, and then... Yes. Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean, yes. So that's another good storytelling. Uh, Granted, most of those movies are not good movies, but still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, no, but actually, you're onto something really important. Why do we, in movies, love animals and don't want to see them get hurt? Because we inherently know about animals that animals are completely reliant upon us. Unless they just have gone crazy and they're like they're they're like a rabid animal where it's like, well, that animal just needs to be put down. Yeah. Or it's been so abused that it can't act normal in society. Like but Jar Jar. Yeah. <laughs> continue. Yeah. Oh, that's a very that is a very Qui-Gon Jin esque <laughs> way of looking at that. Um but uh yeah, for all the people who say like Qui-Gon's a super nice, like wise guy, I'm like, dude, he does not he like he's basically like this is a lower life form, bro. <laughs> I don't even remember what question oh, we're says, on right now. Oh no, we're talking about the droids. Oh, and, right. And and so I think so what I think is really fascinating, getting back to the question, using droids is we see them as pets. So the pets of the bad people who are doing bad things who are like, well, that pet can't keep going on because it's basically rabbit. Whereas when you see the pets of the good people or the or neutral pets, you're like, we should not harm things just to harm them. So please do something about this. So I like the way that they talk about imprinting. I also think it makes sense that Mando would be like, look, man, there's circuitry in there, but like somebody imprinted on IG-11 before you did. So what if it reverts back on that programming? And maybe you don't, you're not sophisticated enough to know that you put it all back together the way that it wouldn't revert back on that programming. Yeah. And now I think you got to be pretty doubtful of how that all works, in my opinion. So I think we're basically on the same page. But it's, I, think it's, I think I was really gl- glad that Quill said that exact line and that Mando brought his perspective into it because it's the best perspective of droids that I think we've seen in Star Wars. Yeah explained by Star Wars. It in, it's interesting if you look at it applied to the other droids, though. Mm. Like, it makes perfect sense with C-3PO, because yeah. I, I know he was invented by Anakin, but right. the people that he spent his time with over the course of the saga well, the good would have imprinted on him, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can see him change throughout the course of it. I mean, he still oh, totally. has his quirky little C-3PO attitude, but, yeah. <laughs> but he does change. Yeah. And um, But if you look at it in other contexts, like... Uh, K2SO. Oh, yeah. I think they say in Rogue One that his attitude is a result of his reprogramming. Yes. And not like they meant to reprogram him as a as a snarky droid, Yeah, but something went wrong, right. and wiring got weird, and that's just how he behaves. Right, right, right. So that kind of goes against it. How would, that, how would that go against it, <clears throat> necessarily? Because... It seems more like an accident than an imprint. Like he's not oh. he's not snarky because he's hanging out with snarky people. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, snarky yeah, yeah. because But he kind of is hanging out. I mean Cassian is pretty snarky. Yeah, but not as snarky as him. I mean, he's snarky because of the rewiring and cause Alan Tudyk played him. But Yeah, 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 yeah. Alan Tudyk is awesome too. The best example of this might actually be BB eight, especially ah. if you're comparing it to a dog. Yeah. Like BB eight is like the most badass dog of all time, <laughs> totally, right? Yeah. Like he's like the best friend. Of I Poe. know. Yeah. He's like, super cool. Yeah. And Poe even kind of treats him like a dog. Oh, yeah, he, when he rubs, like, runs up to him and he rubs his belly <laughs> yeah. and stuff, he's like, it's hilarious. But I feel like Poe did the same thing to Finn, so I don't, I don't know. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, then Poe might have some really bad yeah. value structures. We do know that, that he has he has issues too with value, with authority. <laughs> We've seen that now in personal space. <laughs> in personal <laughs> space. Yeah, exactly. By the way, we're on another tangent here because you talked you brought up the Jimmy Kimmel interview with the cast. Uh huh. We're I didn't watch the whole interview. I only watched the family feud part. Oh, okay. I watched the whole interview. Yeah. Uh, and just just to clarify, I'm seeing The Rise of Skywalker tonight. Daryl's seeing it tomorrow night. Don't message us saying anything because we're gonna watch it yeah. and then so don't don't do that. But um uh, we don't want to be uh, spoiled in any way. But my wife and I are watching and we're going, wow, Daisy Ridley is so you wanna talk to Daisy Ridley when you see her in an interview. You want to talk to Finn when you see him in an interview. You want to talk to Naomi when you see her in an interview. She's the new one of the new characters. Yeah. Then you look at the American characters <laughs> in the interviews, and you're like, I don't want to be around Carrie Russell. Oscar Isaac's acting like kind of a jerk right now. <laughs> really? Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's that we as Americans have a little bit more of a, uh, we don't want to put on airs as much as maybe the Brits do when they come over here. And the Brits are like, well, I'm on right now, so I'm going to be really winsome and mm-hmm. really like friendly and like you're going to want to do, interact with me. And then when you see the Americans, they're kind of just like, okay, ask another question, bro. <laughs> you know, like well, it's just a little bit of a, there's a little bit of a tension there that exists. It's weird. I mean, there's a, there's a cultural difference too. Yeah. And there's a verbal difference in the way they speak. I mean, they speak the same language, obviously, yeah, yeah, but yeah. the accent's different from ours. Yeah, that's true. And I think theirs, for the most part, is just plain much more charming. Yeah. Than it ours is. is. Like um, the Empire podcast. Yeah. You know, we love the Empire podcast. We've had Helen O'Hara on our show, we've had Chris Hewitt on our yes. show. One of the people on that show is James Dyer, yeah, who is awesome. He's a great podcaster to listen to. Absolutely. He says some pretty horrible things. <laughs> That's true. But every time he says it, it sounds perfectly nice yeah. and charming <laughs> because true. of his That's accent. True. That's a good point. <laughs> you know? That's a really good point. We should have James Dyer on the show because he loves TV stuff. I would love to. Um, yeah, so anyways, I thought that was really odd, and I just thought that, again, Daisy Ridley and Finn came off really well. I do think you're right that it's part of its cultural. I, I When you watch... Um, but, you know, some of it's not... I'm not necessarily blaming every single Oscar American. Isaac doesn't usually strike me as as a jerk. But no, I didn't see I, no, that he interview. he didn't come off as a jerk necessarily either. I, I think what it is <clears throat> is that a lot of the actors tend to get really, really exhausted like I saw, I, I saw Matthew McConaughey on on the Graham Norton show. So he's on a British oh, yeah. show, and I'm watching him on the show, and I'm like, dude, this guy should not have gone on TV today because he just he didn't want to be there at all. He's got to be exhausted. And I think you could you could look at that and you could say maybe he's being a jerk. But now that I do YouTube videos and do podcasts, I'm like, there's just a lot of days when you're like, I don't know how to sound good right now. <laughs> I just <laughs> I don't know how to do it. And uh, and I think that we maybe put too much on people when they. So I'm not. I'm not saying Oscar Isaac is a jerk. Don't hear me saying no, that. No, I didn't. No, no, no. Yeah, no. And, and nor am I saying that about any of the rest of the people that I just couldn't there. think of a more eloquent way to say it. No, 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 yeah. And, 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 and I don't want to, to communicate that. What I'm trying to communicate is Daisy and Finn and Naomi were so on and so friendly and so... So when you yeah. brought that up, it just occurred to me, like, yeah, that was, like, really... Well, Daisy's kind of like... She's kind of like the second coming of Julia Roberts, you <laughs> know? Like, yeah, if she was American, she'd be, like, America's <laughs> sweetheart, you know? totally like, <laughs> true. That's totally true. Um, one other quick little talk show thing, since why not? Yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> We're so deep into this anyways. Uh, Carrie Russell was promoting Star Wars on Fallon. 
Yeah. And uh, John Hamm was on with her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were setting up to play a game, uh, the, you know, the uh, Mad Lib theater thing. So Jimmy's going through game. and asking yeah. for suggestions. And he says to John, he's like, he's like, um, give me something that you always wanted to do when you grew up, when you were a kid. What did you always want to do when you grew up? And he said, be in a Star Wars movie. And then he gave Carrie <laughs> Russell a dirty look. And yeah, she's yeah, like, yeah. uh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's really, uh, John Hamm is really pushing that Ham Solo thing everywhere mm-hmm. he goes to. He really wants to be Ham Solo. Maybe in a Robot Chicken <laughs> episode. That'd be perfect. It's probably happened. Yeah, it probably has happened. All right, moving on to the, ne- the rest of these questions. I like the way that they're treating droids. You like the way that they're treating droids. Oh, but you were saying with, with BB-8, like what, what was the final conclusion to the BB-8 treating him differently? No, I think BB-8 was a great example of it, of the imprinting thing. Oh, 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 oh I see, I see. Because he's kind of like a pet. Yeah, he's totally, of, he totally is perfect, the way they perfect treat for that. Yeah, yeah. I, I got the impression when you're talking about K2SO, by the way, now that I'm going back to actually what we were ta- supposed to talk about, um, when you're talking about K2SO, I got the impression that his programming went a little bit wrong, but he found himself with a group of rebels and then almost like his adaptation to being a non- empire droid anymore was almost like a realization like if you took a pet uh for example and you took a pet from a like highly structured environment and then put them in a kind of more chaotic environment they will they will like you're like we're saying adapt to that environment and i got the impression that it was like that was uh his programming adapted based on who he's imprinting with now the same is true of three-year-old and six-year-old boys (laughs) i can guarantee (laughs) yeah 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 i can imagine i can imagine um, all right, so we had, uh, I thought this was really interesting. We had two different philosophical approaches um, to moving things forward in the Star Wars universe. And we got them from Quill, and we got them, or Quill, I should say. It's not Quill, it's Quill. Quill. Yeah. Um, I got to say it right. And then also the client, so Werner Herzog's character. So I don't have a good Quill impression. So he says, none will be free until the old ways are gone. None will be free until the old ways are gone. He's using those words pretty specifically. And as an indentured servant, um, freedom's really important to him. Yeah. Right? The client, Werner Herzog, I've never tried this before, but I'm going to try to do it. Oh, here we go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, The Empire... No, that's terrible. I'm, I won't even go there. I'll do. I'll practice it, and I'll come back and do another let's, one. Let's try to get Paul F. Tompkins on the show. He'll yeah, do it for us. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because <laughs> um, he has the German accent to it, and I, I just it's too early in the morning. But the Empire improves every system it touches. So on the one side, you have Quill saying, none will be free until the old ways are gone. On the other side, you have Werner Herzog's character, the client, saying, the Empire improves every system it touches. And he gives a couple examples, like economically and uh, socially and rule based bringing out rules and then he also gives the exact opposite like look what's happened since the empire has gone all i see is death and destruction everywhere i go yeah so what is your take on those two statements what is, how do you feel about that i mean surface surface wise it makes perfect sense because like you said quill was a servant yeah he was a slave essentially he was sold to the empire yeah, yeah. and so why would he ever think of that as a good thing yeah um and then it makes sense that the client would speak well of the Empire because he's, to some degree, high up in it, right? Yeah. He's some sort of an officer. and But I bet if you really get behind it and really look at it, it'd be interesting to see if he really believes that yeah, or if that's just his loyalty to the Empire talking. Right. Um, you know, as the Empire is crumbling to some degree at this point, obviously it still exists in some fashion, 
we're not as far as like first order territory here yet. But right, right. but it's not what it was right. since the destruction of the Death Star. Um, the second Death Star, I should clarify. Mm. But uh, it's I wonder if in his heart of hearts he really believes that to be true, mm. or if he's just trying to hold on to the last shred of security mm. that he has. Yeah. Um. I think uh, I'm definitely on Queel's side, obviously. Yeah. None will be free until the old ways are gone. That's sort of um, that's sort of the the credo of the of the rebels too, right? Yeah. yeah. Like until no trace of the Empire or the First Order exists. <laughs> right, right, right. There's always going to be a, a certain lack of freedom in the galaxy. Yeah. There must be no balance. Um, so here's what I really like about the two value statements here. Um, why, like, when we talk about fascism being bad, right, I think a lot of people get the wrong idea about what we're actually saying. Like, like for example, I think if you associate fascism with uh, Italy in the 1940s or um, Germany in the 1930s and 40s, you tend to start thinking like, oh, okay, so when I say, when I use the term fascism, what I mean by that term is governments who are trying to wage war and fight other people and oppress other people and those kind of things, Ruled right? Ruled by terror and yeah, intimidation. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, I think what you miss is that if you ever create a system that benefits one portion of the population or one specific country or when you create those kinds of things, you sort of by definition are creating a fascist environment. In other words, if freedom is what you want, which is what Quill is suggesting, mm-hmm. then you have to let other people be free to do what you're uncomfortable with. Right. Fascism is saying, no, I'm not comfortable with those people. I'm not comfortable with their behavior. I'm not comfortable with that thing. And then, so what I feel like is is really interesting today is that in this highly like polarized political environment, and I don't like getting political, but I just I'm just gonna point out some observations about what we do. We choose a tribe to be a part of politically or what or value system based, right? And then we say, well, the other tribe can't do those things. So, no, you're not allowed to have this. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do... Well, okay, how far can you take that become before you become the fascist? Yeah. And both sides do that all the time. Like, you can't do this. You can't do that. This is the rule. You can't... And I think what Quill is saying is... Quill is, is presenting an opposite viewpoint of that and saying the Empire was fascist and the Empire was great for Werner Herzog. Right mm-hmm. for the people in control, the system that they create is fantastic because it's them creating it. It's not great for Quill. The Empire is not great for Quill. He's got to be an indentured servant. He's very proud of himself for working his way out of it. We're going to talk yeah. about that. But he's an indentured servant. It's not great for him. So if you're going to live in a place that has freedom, you have to be okay with letting things happen that you don't agree with. Yeah. And I think that's those are the two value systems at play. It's like, no, the empire improved everything. Look at the results. Yeah, the results for you. But can you get out of your own head enough to go, but what about the results for somebody else? Like, what about the results for those people? And uh, 
anyways, I think we get that wrong a lot in life, and so I get very fired up about it. But that's that's I love those two perspectives. Yeah, I was uh, tangent time. Yeah, <laughs> there's a movie every five minutes, every other question. <laughs> we go. But, but no, you talk about like rule by terror and stuff like that. Yeah, there was a there's a movie on Netflix right now called Six Underground. Oh yeah, did you watch that? Which is, I did. Yeah, is it any good? It's really good. Really? So it's a Michael Bay film. Oh. So um, it's the bayest, bayest of. It's bay- the bay. Yeah, as I heard Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds said. referred to it as absolute bayhem. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, it actually is really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, but without giving too much away, sort of the crux of the struggle in the movie mm-hmm. is trying to stage a coup and overthrow a terroristic oh, ruler of okay. a country. Yeah who gasses his own people yeah. to instill a sense of fear and stuff yeah. like that. And so it, that reminded me a lot of the Empire while I was watching it. It was like, this oh. is what the Empire could look like yeah. if it was in real life, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was just surreal to watch, to finish watching this movie yesterday about, about you know, the people overthrowing their leader. Right. And then open up CNN and find out that our president has been impeached. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, right, right. like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy. Yeah. It, I, it is to crazy. To be clear, I'm not comparing our president to an evil terroristic dictator. Right. I right, don't right. think he's that. Well, but people would. He people would make that. He's a whole heck of a lot of things, but I don't think yeah. he's terroristic. Well, that and I think that that gets at it, right? It's like, okay, so obviously we have to have rule of law. Like there has to be a limitation to freedom. So, right? Like like otherwise it's anarchy. You have to have some sort of laws. Yeah. But when you start making laws that what happens, I think, in a free in a free country is that you try to create laws that allow people to be free to express themselves so long as they're not impeding on the rights of other people, right? Yeah. And those that's where your laws come from. Well, yeah, yeah, you're free to have your own jacked up opinion about whatever it is, but you can't hit people, right? Like you can think that that person's the worst kind of person in the world because you're ignorant and a total. Hole. Yeah, I have to cut out of the podcast now. I said I wouldn't <laughs> want to edit it. <laughs> now I gotta edit it. Um, but you can say that, but you can't touch them. You can't make life worse for them. Basically, right? Um, you have to have your stupid belief, and then keep it. Keep your stupid. Like, you're free to have that stupid belief, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that it's it just gets to be really dicey when you start to make when you start to create value systems and then you start to say well that's bad so it should be also illegal mm-hmm. and it's like well if you live in a free country though you know what i mean yeah so um so i am i'm very much in favor of creating strong value systems i'm usually very much not in favor favor of enforcing those in laws yeah. because you run into some real trouble when you do that those kind of things yeah um and and by the way, if you don't, I, I know a lot of people listening to this will be like, well, yeah, but uh, you know this happens in America all the time. I, I highly recommend watching Watchmen if you're an adult because it's not for kids. Um, but they go into the Tulsa massacre. Have you ever heard of the Tulsa massacre? I had never um, even heard of it, which is a shame and a failure of our school system. No, <laughs> I've. I've, I know of the Oklahoma City bombing, obviously, but yeah, I don't think was, I've heard of the Tulsa massacre. I think it was either 1921 or 1923. I have to fact check that. But basically, a white mob of white supremacists overtook Tulsa, downtown Tulsa, which was a thriving black community, and just murdered a bunch of people, and it was called the <sighs> Tulsa massacre. And then they just basically have covered it up ever since. 
And so part of Watchmen deals with that event. Mm. And I'm watching this event going like, I've never even heard of this before. This is horrific, you know? But that's what a, what, that's what a, um, a strong value system that doesn't respect freedom gets you. Mm. Because you go, wait a minute, those people have stuff that I wanted. Those people are getting along with, in a way that, I, that, that uh, I'm uncomfortable with. So I'm going to go create laws against those people and do things to those people that are unconscionable. Anyways. But you don't like to get political. <laughs> I hate getting political, honestly. Yeah, you do. But but it is it is what it is. I only step in when it must when it must be done. <laughs> I have spoken. I have spoken. Speaking of so back to the back to the question. Speaking of Quill, um when when uh baby Yoda heals Grief Karga, which also has the funniest moment in The Mandalorian. Because Grief Carter goes, he's trying to eat yeah, me. He's trying to eat me. <laughs> <laughs> what in the world is he saying? That's so funny. I laugh so hard at that. Uh, anyways, uh, after watching Baby Yoda use the Force, uh, Quill says, "This, uh, you know, I've heard rumors of it. This I've heard rumors of. Um, which is, by the way, probably how Yoda started to talk. He was listening to <laughs> the Ugnaught <laughs> character speak and was like, oh, that's how I should speak. Um I, by the way, that was not me saying that Baby Yoda is going to be actual Yoda. <laughs> They're two different characters. <laughs> I get that. I don't want to get mail about this. Um, this quote gets at atheism in Star Wars. And, I, and I've talked about this on some of the uh, daily journals that I do. But what do you think about atheism in Star Wars, Daryl? Well, let's clarify this a little bit. Yeah, clarify away. Um Clarify the angle of atheism on here. So yeah. is it anti-theism or lack of theism? Oh, I think that it uh, can be both. Because I think you, this is a clear lack of a theistic perspective Correct. in this region. Yeah. I don't know if it's anti. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if Quill is sitting here saying this kind of thing cannot exist. Like, it's not natural. Like, he right, doesn't right, seem right. like he's against it. It just seems like he hasn't really been exposed to the Force. Right. It's just not something he knows a whole lot about, which I think is cool that there are areas of the Star Wars universe that don't know about it. Yeah. Because it certainly seems like, until now, there really haven't been. Right. Like, everybody knows about right, it. Right, right, right. Um, which, if you look at it in terms of, like, like Christian evangelism, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of the same thing. Like, mm. like the concept of God. The yeah. existence of God. Like, are there people in this world that have never heard of the Bible and have never heard of what the Bible says about God and have never heard that a God might exist? Yeah, lots of them. There are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't think of it, but there are. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> and so this is kind of a, a similar perspective to that. So I don't know that this is against the Force or against the idea of a theology in Star Wars. It seems more like the lack of it. Um, but, uh, I don't think I have, I don't think I have anything to follow up that, but, uh, I think that was the (laughs) end of my response. Yeah, I I agree. And I think you've seen, you've seen the lack of theism in Star Wars. You've seen atheism in Star Wars, anti-theism, because you've seen, um, Han Solo basically, basically is, uh, in, in A New Hope is against it. Mm -hmm. I think that, um... What's interesting about it is that the force is shown to be absolutely 100% a thing. You could argue that it's not the force and that 
so that these creatures are doing something akin to like magic, so that it's like a the. Not that the force isn't scientific, because the force is scientific. The force exists and can be measured in certain ways. So I'm not suggesting that the force isn't <clears throat> scientific, but almost like maybe some people have learned how to manipulate atoms and molecular structures mm-hmm. in such a way that they can, and you would call it using the force, and you would say that's a spiritual perspective. But see, the, sp- the force requires you to have a spiritual perspective. Case in point, Sith code versus Jedi code. Yeah. The force exists in both of those religions, but what you do with the force is very different. Well, and it also seems like there's not many other perspectives on theology in Star Wars. Like, it seems like it's pretty much the Force. <laughs> and you believe in it or you don't. There are some others. There are some I mean, others. we've seen hints, like... The Ewoks and Ewoks, C-3PO, yes, right? exactly. Yeah. And then, and then Clone Wars has more, too. Okay. In some of the episodes there. Okay. But it's certainly... There's, you know, in the real world, mm-hmm. we have multiple spiritual takes and multiple spiritual beliefs that are in conflict with one another, sometimes very violent conflict. <laughs> right, right, right. And um, it just seems like in Star Wars you don't have that for the most part. It's it's the Force, and you know of it, and you believe in it, or you don't know of it, or you don't believe in it. Right. It seems like there's very few people that don't that know of it and don't believe in it. Yeah. Like, it seems like Han is the only one that really spoke out and said, oh, I think that's crap, yeah. you know? Oh, and only in A New Hope, because then yeah, he goes and on then to he basically... His mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Although, although I do think that there, so basically, like you talked about the definition of like the or the difference, I should say, between um, anti-theism and just lack of theism. I do think that even after he's acknowledged that the force is there, he doesn't care about it. Yeah, like he, he, he cares about the people, but he doesn't. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't ever act in such a way that's like, well, I better, I better tr- switch my act up, or yeah. like I should start doing, I should start acting like Chirrut. Yeah. Like, he didn't do that ever, right? He's just like, okay, it is this. <laughs> you know, like, he's yeah. like I'm going to go on doing my own thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so I... I my well, po- and cheer it. That's, yeah. that's a great angle to go to because mm-hmm. there is somebody who deeply cares and right. believes in the Force, Yep. but can't use it. Yeah. Like, he's not sensitive to it. Yeah. But he deeply cares about it. Yeah. That's something you don't see a lot of either. That was... Well, he's one of my favorite characters for that reason, but like... Yeah. I, I would say like it's much more interesting when you include characters who don't know what the force is or how the force works. Um, it's just a more fascinating, more well-rounded world, in my opinion, because it doesn't mean you can't say that the force isn't real. It's, yeah, it's you're saying that there are people who don't know that it isn't real and they don't understand how it works, and that's why you know the prequels are a little over the top for me because there's a bunch of people that know how it works and there's thousands of Jedi across the galaxy, and you're like, okay. Or maybe Chirrut is Force-sensitive. And there was a little bit of Force help in getting him to that lever so he could... Well, here's the, here's something that's fascinating, right? Technically speaking, as a Jedi, what are you supposed to do this with the Force? This is you speaking as a Jedi? Yeah. This is me. Uh, I woke up this morning, and I, and I thought about this <laughs> as a Jedi, uh, as I was polishing my lightsaber. Um, uh, when you are a Jedi, you're supposed to let the Force flow through you. Mm-hmm. When you're a Sith, you do whatever you want with with the Force. So theoretically speaking, any any creature could let the Force flow through them if they put themselves in that place. Yeah. Now, not every creature could necessarily manipulate it in the way that the Force wants itself to be manipulated. You could argue, but again, you know, it's theoretically possible. Don't say the, the M word. 
Manipulate? No, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> Which wait, wait, what are you talking about? I don't want to say it. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> Moving on then, since we don't want to talk about that. Midichlorians. Oh. oh. <laughs> Dude, I thought you were gonna say something real something real different. <laughs> no, I was like, I don't know. I don't know where this is going. I don't know where we're picking up on this. But anyways. Um, I will say the I I like mystery. In the Force? Yes. Much, and I like mystery in the droids, too. Yeah. I don't want to know oh, exactly. exactly how that all works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to know exactly how the Force works. Agreed. I don't want it to be scientifically and objectively broken down for me. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. It's not interesting, then. <laughs> exactly. I agree with that. All right, we still got, like, five more questions here. Uh, Quill, uh, Quill is very interested in proving his worth by talking about working his way out of, uh, he calls it indentured servitude, or you could call it slavery, I guess. So, but it's a different version of slavery than we may have even seen, like in American slavery, where it's like forced upon you. He he sounds like he volunteered. So, what do you think about that? In what ways is Queel's backstory good or bad? Um, I mean, it's horrifying. Yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the the little bit that we've seen of the Ugnots in the rest of the movies and stuff like that is. Like they, yeah, their servitude is bad. Yeah, it's but bad. um, I love his perspective. I love that he doesn't just say that he's proud of working his way out of servitude. He actually yeah. goes so far as to say that it is a victory for his entire species. Yeah, like right. he speaks for his species in yeah, a way. Yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah, and I love that. I love that that drives him, but it doesn't drive him to to hubris it doesn't drive mm. him to lording himself over other people right it actually drives him to caring for other people yeah and trying to help in a protective way like he's not going to put himself out there in a way that'll get him killed for right. nobody right but he developed a bond with the mandalorian and then he stuck his neck out for him yeah which as we'll talk about may not have worked out so well but <laughs> he uh i love what it did for him as a character because it could have gone really bad, right? Like he could have worked his way out of it and yeah. then he's psycho and he's got PTSD and he's going right. to go out and kill people and stuff right. like that. Right. So um, I like it a lot. I did too. I thought it was also a good way to illustrate how when Werner Herzog says, you see all this death and destruction or whatever he says, right? And how the empire was really great. You get a counterpoint in <clears throat> Quill's backstory. Yeah. But not in such a way that they make him a victim or have a victim mentality where he's like, yeah, the Empire's bad because they're just awful and I can't do anything about it. And he's like, no, no, no. Not only that, I worked my way out of that situation and now I'm working to, to even further get away from that. Yeah. You know? And I wonder if the whole I have spoken thing, I wonder if that's common to his race. Yeah. Or if he started saying stuff like that after he finally got himself out of the situation. Oh, maybe. Yeah, that'd you be know? awesome. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. like, I worked my ass off. Oh, sorry. Something else you have to believe. <laughs> I worked my butt off <laughs> and... Uh, and I have spoken. I have spoken. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like he's kind of like, he's kind of like that the elderly man who worked so hard for his whole life, and now all he wants to do is is sit on his porch and yell at kids. It's like <laughs> well, you've kind of earned the right to do that. I'm okay with it. <laughs> you know. I feel like I've earned the right to do that. And I'm only I'm I'm not even forty yet. Uh, okay, so the next question I've got on here goes back to the droids, and this is the last droid question I think I have on here. Um, I should have included it up above, but um, I, I write the questions out as I watch the show. So yeah. sometimes they're out of order a little bit. Uh, Mando says, regarding IG-11, that goes against its nature. 
What do you think that means? How is that a good take or a bad take? Um, I think that's his own fear and experience talking. Mm. I don't think droids have a nature. I mm. think that was talked about before. You know, obviously it can change. Yeah. K2SO changed. It seems that IG-11 has changed. Right. Um, so I think that's telling us more about the Mandalorian than it is about droids. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that's probably true. I, I um, The only thing I would say is that... Again, it goes back to, like, for example, we don't know the details of how Quill changed IG-11, but, like, where do the droids have circuitry that could have muscle memory? Yeah. Or, like, where do where where could there be existing, uh, quote-unquote, memories or impressions that they've received about the world that would just kick into gear? You yeah. know, I think that's what that's what the Mandalorian's worried about, but we don't know if that's how it works. Yeah. So they don't seem to have a subconscious. Right. It's, it's an interesting one. Um, this is I'm just going to ask you how you felt about this, because I'm just going to tell you what I thought <laughs> first, because this is just I couldn't find a way to word the question. Well, but there's there's a part of the show that I found extremely odd. And as a writer storyteller, these kind of things can be. Not super annoying and frustrating to make you hate. I give it a nine and a half, right? But it still is like, oh man, why'd you do that? Um, but it, but this this what the, what happens in the show illustrates a point about the inclusion of coincidences in stories. Okay, when they're at the campfire, uh, which by the way, I think they're roasting the animal that you just saw on the hill a second <laughs> earlier, which is t- hor- horrific. But when they're at the campfire, the camp is attacked by some dragon-like creatures. I don't know if they're, uh, like, um, the same creatures we saw, like, attached to the Millennium Falcon, if there's supposed to be those creatures. Yeah, Minox or not. I don't think so, though. They looked way more intense They seem more vicious. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It needs to happen to further the story because Grief Karga needs to be healed by Baby Yoda to get him to the place where he wants to save Baby Yoda. So it has to happen, but the the fact that they get attacked, there's there's never been foreshadowed that those those characters are out there hunting people yeah. or any of this kind of stuff, and so it just appears it's a coincidence that that happens, and it just so happens to move the story story further along. Generally speaking, in stories, coincidences are there's usually a coincidence near the beginning of a story, but the later in the story that you add coincidences, the less realistic it feels to us, and the more like what is going on here. Mm-hmm. But what's your take? Did you did it bother you at all? I wouldn't say it bothered me. It definitely did stand out. Mm. I was like, oh, okay, there's dragons attacking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think it bugged me. I. I think it felt a little bit more like world building to me. Oh, okay. Which I like a little bit of world building. Sure. Yeah. I don't like prequel levels of world building, <laughs> but I like some world building. Yeah. And um, but I, you know, I guess it could have been a little bit tighter, quote unquote, to the story if maybe there was like. A band of of troop of stormtroopers that were scouts out uh, in the desert or something, and they yeah. stumbled onto them, and sure. they had to fight them. And he well, got well. That injured. would have been foreshadowed too, because they yeah. said there's a lot more stormtroopers in town now. So that yeah. would have made sense. So maybe that would have been a little bit tighter. But I mean, I'm always up for seeing cool creatures in Star Wars and mm. seeing angles of creatures that we haven't seen before. We've never really seen a dragon-like creature. Yeah, it's true. Um, so it, I wouldn't say it bothered me. There's something that came a little bit later that bothered me. Ah. Do you want to get into that now, or do you want to just keep going? Well, let's see. Okay. What's your next question here? Is the last Jedi, the last Jedi question. Ah, yes. Yes, yes, yes. 
Um, and no, go ahead. Let's go ahead and do that, and okay. then we'll, we'll get there. So the next one I got on here is uh, the Last <laughs> Jedi had a pretty overt message about cruelty to animals. I mean, it was real overt. I'm trying to remember. Is it the the Crystal Wolves? Oh no no no! It's uh it's the Canto bite sequence. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Clearly, I've tried to block that scene out of my mind <laughs> to some degree. <laughs> yeah. What's that about? What are you talking about? <laughs> um, and the Mandalorian, on the other hand, shows so many animals dying. Like there's so many animals that die. They're usually being eaten by somebody. Uh, we saw IG Eleven drop a canister on a little lizard in this episode, right? We don't know if it died or not, but we can assume um, the the big mudhorn creature uh, dies. There's there's a lot of death of uh, what you'd call non sentient creatures, or like I yeah, know, I don't know the the layer of yeah, that. So, I know what you mean. So the question the question I have for you is: Can both perspectives exist in Star Wars, and is there like a or is there like a right or wrong one that is like what what's going on here? Like, is it confusing or is it like oh no, this is just how the world works? I think uh, it's how the world works. It mm-hmm. is confusing, and both perspectives should exist. <laughs> Perfect, because that's what real life is like, right? Totally. Things are confusing, and you don't know what the right answer is because it may not be on either side. But I think both perspectives should exist because. They're using these to tell us more about the characters than they are about the animals themselves. Right. Like, I've, I forget what those horse-like creatures in Cantabite are called, but... Ah, I forget what they're called, too. There's, um, you know, they're not telling us that those specific creatures are more valuable than the Blurgs or than the right. Mudhorn. Right, What they're telling us is that those people are in a context to where the treatment of those animals matters. Ah. So... On a place like uh, I forget the name of the planet. Oh, it's Tatooine, right? The which one? Quill. Uh, uh, he's on Tatooine because they went to Mos Nav- Eisley. Navarro, I think. Navarro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, sorry. Yeah, Tatooine was a different thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> well, I don't even on, know if he's on Navarro because Navarro is the same planet that that's the Mandalorian's where from originally. Wherever he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it's clearly a desolate planet, right? Yeah. So I mean, yeah, you do what you got to do. Right. You have an animal for transportation, you have to have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have yeah, to yeah. eat animals, you have to do that. Right. Um, and Quill very much cares for his blurgs. He does, yeah. yeah. And Cantabite, yeah. completely different. Right. Very affluent society, completely rich. Right. They don't need animals for sustenance. They don't need them for transportation. Yeah. So for them to treat them like crap is yeah. a little bit more of yeah, yeah, a rude yeah, thing yeah. to do. But... The most important thing is if they're going to show us a struggle with how the animals are being treated, yeah. it means more about who cares about it. So, for instance, in The Last Jedi, it's not so much about how the animals are being treated. Yeah. It's about how Rose feels about the animals being treated. Right. And how that informs her view of you save what you love, you don't right. fight what you hate. Right. Right. So I think you have to have all those different perspectives because if you do it well, yeah. it informs what the characters think which drives the story forward. Yeah, so um, I agree 100%. And, and it brings up the point, I think, that the way animal tr- animals are treated in movies... So you have two perspectives, okay? Obviously, I'm going to come from one of them. <laughs> um, but you have two perspectives. One is animals are the same as humans. Well, that sets up that any animal you kill... Like, would you kill a human and eat a human if you had to? Well, you shouldn't, but like, are would you kill an animal and eat it if you had to? Well, 
that should be fine, right? Now, some people don't agree with me on that. Some people would say, no, we're all the same, and when we're all the same, you can't just do that to a creature because it's like killing a human. Um, obviously, I don't believe that because of what I'm about to say. How we treat animals, especially in stories, is not so much about, in my opinion, what value systems we hold. It's about what is revealed about our character. Mm-hmm. If you're cruel to animals in storytelling, that's a character problem, meaning an internal motivational problem, an internal problem with your value system, a uh, problem with your behavior. How you treat animals is more about your character than it is about the animals, per se. Yeah. Because, again, human beings are more important than animals because animals are creatures. <laughs> um, and I know not everyone agrees with me when you listen to the podcast. You can send me hate mail. At Daryl, at <laughs> um, so, anyways, that that's where I think that like as you look at these things, like your your breakdown of is perfect in that regard because you're looking at okay, it's the it's the people in Canto Bite who are the problem, right? Right. If if you had to have uh, if you had to use like like Queel does, he uses blurgs for transportation. He still cares about the blurgs. He still loves the blurgs. He still. <laughs> desperately hates the fact that they're being killed by the flying creatures, Yeah. right? So, anyways, I don't think we have to belabor that point, but, yeah, that's I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Um, all right, so now we're going to go to the end of the show, and there are death troopers. They yes. show up and just start shooting up the cantina there in uh, downtown, downtown Navarro. I don't know what the name of the city is. Um and now, of course, Moff Gideon shows up as well. And I actually have questions about this. What do you think of the appearance of the Death Troopers, of Moff Gideon, of his awesome TIE fighter? That's my opinion. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, why is Baby Yoda so important to this guy? Uh, I don't know. I hope we find out mm. next week. Yeah. Because it's the last episode, and I don't want them to make us wait till season two oh, to find out. But dude, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, clearly, the child is important. Right. Clearly, the child is force sensitive. Right. Maybe we are starting to get a sense that every every member of Yoda's race is force mm. sensitive. By the way, uh, Carl, we- I cannot remember his character's name. Grief. Grief. Yeah. Grief. 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 G R E E F. Grief. Okay. Yeah. Good grief. I'll, <laughs> now I'll remember it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, he called him something. He did. Yeah. He called him... Uh, oh, Bogwing. Bog, yeah, what does that mean? Uh, I think that that is just a colloquialism for like a little kid. Okay, so that wasn't the reveal of no, the name I of don't his think race. So. Okay. I don't think so. Anyway, um, clearly they're setting up his race and his existence as being important. Yes. That's kind of all we know. Right. So right. I'm, I'm excited to find out what that is. Right. The inclusion of the Death Troopers, I thought, looked super awesome. Yeah. I don't... I'm not very well up on yeah. my lore right. of Star Wars, so I don't necessarily know what makes the Death Troopers more menacing or more dangerous than any of the others, right. other than the fact that they're dressed in black and they look awesome. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where they probably are just an elite elite force. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like special ops. Yeah, because you, you, you're never going to see them miss the way most Stormtroopers yeah. miss, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um... But yeah, I was I'm intrigued by his arrival. I kind of like that they waited this mm. long to bring him in. Mm. Um 
because I think it's hopefully they're setting something up for season two. Yeah. And they're not just going to kill him off next right. week. Right. If they do, that would kind of be a bummer because you build up to this and then boom, off him. <laughs> right, right. But, um, yeah, a huge bummer. Yeah, so I don't know what the deal is with Baby Yoda other than I can't wait to find out. Yeah. It's just interesting the wording that he used because he said, like, you don't know how important right. that is to me. And yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like the wording he would have used. Like, you would have thought he would have said something like, we know that they're trying to extract something from Baby Yoda. So I don't think what he's saying is Baby Yoda as a, as a sentient being is so important to me and I want to cuddle him. Right, you know, right, I don't right. think he's saying that. I think he's saying there's something about that child that I need yeah. and it's of, of the utmost importance to me. Maybe like he has someone in his family who's dying and he needs midi-chlorines to save him or whatever yeah. it is, right? Uh, I don't know. But... um. So that, that, I found that really interesting. I liked the inclusion of death troopers because I tend to... I love when they introduce new troopers, but it's getting to be pretty <laughs> tropey. Like, oh, it's a new Star Wars movie? A new Stormtrooper. Yeah. It's like, why don't we use some of the ones we've already seen that we really liked? Yeah. <laughs> so I was glad that they used you know, some of those characters. That was good. Um, I thought Moff Gideon's So the death troopers haven't appeared before then? Was this They appeared in uh, Rogue One. They did, okay. They were uh, like the squad that um, Krennic used to take around with them. Okay, because they look yeah. familiar. Actually, what I was really bummed out about is that they didn't play the audio. Because usually those guys are like walking around with the mar- the um, uh, marbled. That's not the right word. Um, garbled? Garbled, yeah. The garbled. <laughs> marbled, the marbled audio. The garbled it looks audio. fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the garbled audio would be perfect. Um, but they didn't add that, so. All right, this is my last question on here. Do you want to jump into something before I hit this last question, or do you want to talk about your thing after? Uh, no, mine kind of relates to this. Okay. So, um, yeah, no, go ahead and ask the question, okay. and I'll, I'll work it into my answer. So we, you and I have talked about consequences in stories before and the importance of consequences, because if you don't have consequences, then what's the point? Like, if, if you can just yeah. easily beat everyone in the room, you're not in danger, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, so this episode ends with Baby Yoda captured... Thanks to Albie Madrigal and his his crew. Way to go, buddy. Oh, man. How can we even be friends with that guy after what he's done to Baby Yoda and Queel? Pretty easily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it looks like uh, Queel might be dead, too, which <sighs> is... Yeah, my, my wife at the end of this episode was literally like almost in tears. Like He's my favorite character can't end on the this show. Way. How does it end this way? Why yeah. are we ending it this way? You know, yeah. like, this is awful. Um, so I just want to talk about this. Like, what, what, like, what do you think? What do you, how do you, how do you feel about the way that it ended? And how do you feel about moving forward given this as okay. an ending? So first, my little tiny gripe, because it oh. kind of relates to this. Yes, let's hear it. Um, so the way that the, uh, the stormtroopers on the speeder bikes yeah. know that Queel is trying to get to the ship with the baby. Yeah is they intercept a communication. Which is, how do they do that? Yeah. yeah. And that's the one little thing that bugs me. I'm like, yeah. oh, man. Like, yeah. first of all, if that's happening, you don't explain right. how that can happen. Right. Like, you say right, nothing right. about there being different channels and stay off this channel or whatever, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I'm just a little frustrated that, that would we be couldn't another, come up with something else. That would be another, what would be perceived to the viewer as another coincidence. Uh-huh. Like, oh, it just crossed channels for a second or something? Like, what in yeah. the world, right? Like, yeah. yeah, so that kind of bugged me. That okay. bugged me more than the dragon thing did. Okay. Um, now, as far as consequences, yes, I love stories that have consequences. Yeah. I am starting to get a little weary of death always being the avenue to those consequences. Uh, okay. It's the quickest and the easiest, right? Sure, sure, To say, sure. you love this character, 
They're gone. <laughs> like, there <laughs> right, are consequences. Right. We will take something away from you. Right, so right. you should be afraid. You yeah, know? Yeah. And that works. It totally works. But it can't be the only way to do it. Uh, and I feel like if you take the MCU as an example, yeah. you know, they're, they've been criticized for yeah. not killing people off. Right. But I don't feel like the MCU lacks consequence. Right. Not every movie. Some of them kind of do. But like especially the Russo Brothers films, mm. I don't feel like they lack consequence. And I think it's because there are consequences. Characters yeah. change. Right. They are, you know, they are irreversibly changed. You know, you look at um, what, what uh, Thanos did to Thor. Yeah. He didn't kill him, but right. he changed him forever. Right. And so I think there are other ways to show consequences. Sure. But granted, death is the quickest and easiest. Yeah. So I'm not, I, th- I think this is the type of show that can find some other ways. Yeah. You know? They have a lot of opportunity to because there's so many hours of entertainment. Yeah. Especially if you talk about like whether or not Mando's going to remove his helmet at any point. Right. Like those kinds of things. So, yes, I like that they've shown us consequences. No, I don't like that they've potentially killed off my favorite character. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I would love for this to show the level of storytelling where they can instill some other consequences in us Yeah. that are just as strong and visceral Yeah. in other ways. Not that I don't want them to kill people off. I'm not saying sure. that's a cop-out. Right. I just think being able to do that in a different way is the sign of a really creative storyteller, and I think this show has that potential. Yeah, I'd agree with, I would agree with that. I think... Um, well, for one thing, I think this is where it gets interesting, right? Like, not that I want your favorite character to not show up again, but like, if you, you've already showed us that there were some characters who didn't die. And there should be some consequences to that, right? Like, okay, so Bill Burr's character, Mayfield, and uh, the Twi'lek and the Daveronian, they didn't die mm-hmm. um, from the last episode, from episode six. So there's consequences to that of some kind, for probably for Mando. Uh, yeah. Probably to He'll the probably negative. come back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and that's kind of cool. But Fennec, Fennec Shand doesn't seem like she's dead. So what I would really dislike is if they keep bringing all the characters back and saying, like, well, they weren't really actually dead. Yes. Yeah. That would be a bummer. Yeah. So if, if Fennec Shand is actually dead, like, done, off the board... Which doesn't make any sense because we saw it the last time we saw somebody there were they were going to her for some reason. Right, right. Um, then I think that you can bring back Queel and I won't be really mad at you. <laughs> yeah, because I think well, I, it might not be bringing back Queel. We don't know for sure that he's dead. Right. Well, that's he what he was I'm saying, lying though. down in the desert with smoke pouring out of his back. <laughs> <laughs> he's fine. <laughs> Just a bad Tuesday. Um, yeah, I guess I guess my thing is like to you can use emotion, but you take emotion away from your longer term story if you continually subvert. So like for example, I don't mind what was done between Infinity War and Endgame mm-hmm. because some characters were dusted <clears throat> and then in Endgame some of those characters returned. Some other characters are no longer with us. And I think that, that I go, okay, that's all kind of fair. It's all kind of fair game. Well, and their deaths were not, I don't think, as much as people would say, oh, look what they did in Infinity War. Like, yeah. 
at the core of the story, I don't think their deaths were meant to sh- to show us like, oh, look what can happen. Yeah, it was meant to create a struggle for the characters and something so important to them, right? That they would die themselves in order to reverse it. You know? Yeah, 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 exactly. Which is a different kind of consequence, like you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So I would like to. I would definitely agree with you that I'd like to see other kind of consequences occur. That'd be great. Um, for example, another kind of consequence is a great kind of consequence that it's not death is the ending of Empire Strikes Back. Sure. The consequence is like, wow, that's my dad. How am I going to deal with that? Yeah. I don't have a hand now. <laughs> I have a robot hand. Right. I, there's a lot of consequences there um, that are really, really fascinating. Oh, Han is often carbonite. I mean, that's huge, mm-hmm. right? So I think um, I agree with you that there should be other consequences, but... I would be pretty frustrated if they reverse every death that they've implied. Totally. And I don't think they will. And if Queel is dead, yeah. I don't want them to reverse it. Yeah. Even though he's my favorite character. Like, right. I don't want them to take that storytelling tack and reverse it. Another good way that they've done it in the past, especially on TV shows, yeah. is by, and I love shows that have the guts to do this, yeah. by completely upsetting the status quo yeah, and essentially yeah, yeah. rebooting their show. Right. I always look to Alias when I think about that. I don't know if you watched Alias. I did not watch Alias. But Alias started off as a sort of a triple agent situation. Yeah. Like um, Sydney Bristow was working for this agency that she thought was the CIA, Uh and then it turns out that it's evil. So she becomes a double agent inside the CIA. Okay. But her dad is also a double agent, and so it's like... And then she starts doing other stuff where she's like a triple agent. It's like, <laughs> it's this whole like, don't blow my secret yeah. or the context of this show is done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. at the end of the second season, they blow it. Oh, interesting. They completely blow it out the water. They don't kill anybody in the process. Right, right. They just destroy that context. Right. And from then on, she's just a CIA agent. Yeah. And I loved that. Yeah. I'm like, you didn't have to kill anybody, but you showed us that you're willing to change things. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, what is your so that was what your gripe was about the the, the, communication, the communication thing? I'm thing. like, why are yeah. they able to do that? Um, uh, it didn't hit me on the first watch because I kind of just didn't. I didn't really catch on. And I why bet that Albie happened. would know because he's the one that intercepted the communication. Yeah, that's true. He's <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe Albie does know. Maybe yeah. Albie is like, oh yeah, you guys didn't get the backstory that <laughs> whatever. Yeah, scout troopers have the ability to intercept any kind of thing. Um, anyways, that's the last question I had. Looking forward to next week. Looking forward to the rise of Skywalker as well. What's that? It's going to be really horrible after we have these two things come out. It's going to be like, what do we do now? Dude, I've been like gobbling up as much Star Wars stuff as I can. I played yeah. Battlefront. <laughs> nice. um, I haven't bought Jedi Fallen Order yet, so yeah, I'm looking forward to either. that. I've been buying comics. <laughs> I've been like... <laughs> I'm just totally addicted to it right now. Yeah, I I don't know what's gonna happen. Like after next week, we're not gonna have any Star Wars for like a while. That's really really disturbing. But but uh, Lost in Space season two premieres on Netflix on <laughs> Tuesday, so we got that coming. Is it Luke Skywalker in that? Is I Mark don't think Hamill so, but it's a great show. Oh, fine. Uh, speaking of shows, that is it for today's show. Special thanks to Daryl. Moff Daryl, Moff Smith. Grand. Come on. This has been a good show. I earned it. Okay, fine. Grand Moff Smith. Yes. 
for joining me today. Make sure you subscribe to the Story Geeks Talk Disney Plus so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes on The Mandalorian. Subscribe today on your preferred podcast provider. And while you're out there searching for the Story Geeks, make sure to check out our Story Geeks podcast as well. Most of you know about that because that's how you found us. But we're doing a Star Wars series over there. Lots to lots of good content to come, even a little bit out into January. So plenty of content left there. If you want to become a Story Geeks Club member, you get access to all kinds of benefits. So go check that out. Um, you can go to thestorygeeks.com to learn more about all of our podcasts, learn about our blog articles, and about our club as well. Thanks for listening. And as always, question everything in your favorite geek stories. And always seek the truth. I have spoken. <laughs> well done, sir. <laughs>